I waved goodbye to my friend Andrea. I stepped on the escalator, preparing to begin my journey to the Narita airport using the Japanese train system that I had only navigated once a few days prior. Andrea had carefully gone through all of the options and she had selected the trains that I needed to take. She had given me a screenshot and I knew all the things that I needed to follow to get to the Narita airport. We looked at each other. We said goodbye. We looked at each other and said 907, right? 907. That was the time of my first train. As the escalator stopped, I'm up on the top of the platform. I step off and right to my right is a train ready to go. It has the name of my destination, but it is five minutes early and I cannot get on that train. It's not 907, it's 902. And so I look around, I try to make a decision, but I just, it's not 907. And my screenshot says 907. So that train goes, another train comes, not my destination. Another train comes, not my destination. And all of a sudden it's 907 and I am not following the plan that my friend had given me. I have no cell phone coverage. I essentially know nobody in town and I need to catch a flight and I don't know what to do. I look at the little board where the trains come that show what's coming next and that doesn't make any sense to me and I turn around and there's this huge board that lists all the trains and all their destinations and I can't make heads or tails of that either. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I do not know how to get to the airport. It, it was in within seconds, I hear, Deidre, Deidre, get on the next train. I turn around and there's a woman, two train tracks at least over on the other platform that's going the other direction, hollering my name and telling me to get on the next train. Now, I had met this woman, but I didn't know her. She had been at the retreat I had spoken at that weekend prior, but we didn't really know each other. And I'm thinking, how does she know where I'm going? How does she know where I'm going? Her train comes. She gets on her train. She walks over to my side. She waves to me and off her train goes. A train pulls up in front of me. The doors open and I'm standing before this train. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And the Lord says, I used your name and I told you exactly what to do. Get on the next train. I got on the train. Doors closed. I know that I have a destination I need to get to so that I can make my next connection. Maybe my information on my screenshot will sort of marry up with what I need to do. And so these train rides are 45 minutes to an hour or more. It's not just a quick little jaunt. And so I'm on that train. I'm kind of watching the little map inside the train that tells me where we're going. And it looks like I'm going the right direction. And I can see the, the destination I need. And wouldn't, you know, one stop before that destination that matched up with my screenshot, the train stops. Everybody gets off. I think, oh, I'll just wait. Maybe it'll go one more stop. No, the little cleaner guy comes on and he says, ma'am, you got to get off. So I get off. I'm at a very busy platform. I have no idea what to do. I scan the crowd. I see a tall Japanese man and I think, well, I'm just going to try. So I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, I'm so sorry to bother you, but I'm trying to get to the Narita airport. I had, I missed my train and th- these are the connections that I was trying to make. And so I showed him my screenshot. He did some inf- uh, searching on his phone. He talked to one of the employees there. Pretty soon he says, okay, come with me. He goes, ride with me. I'm going to get off, but you're going to ride the train until it stops. 
And then there's going to be a train for Narita. You get on that train. It'll say Narita on it, and then you'll get to the airport. So the train comes. He ushers me on, and he's, we go a few stops, and he's like, okay, now I'm getting off, but you stay. So I stay, and again, it's 45 minutes to an hour. It's a long journey. The train stops. The doors open, and there's this huge sign on the side of a train that says Narita. I have no idea if it's coming or going, but it says Narita. That's what the gentleman told me, so I go get on that train. Doors close. I sit down. I'm kind of gathering my things about me, and this little man comes up to me, and he says, hey, do you speak English? And I said, yes. And he's like, well, is English your first language? And I said, yes. He goes, well, can you help me? And I said, yes. So he sits down, and he's working on a crossword puzzle, and he can't figure out the, his, his answer doesn't fit. And so he tells me the question and I give him the answer. And it was just the difference between a past or present, uh, choice of the word. And so when I told him it fit and he was like, Oh, thank you so much. You know, and he does that. And anyways, and he says, where are you going? And I said, well, I'm going to the airport. He goes, Oh yes, me too. Where are you flying? And I said, well, I'm flying to Asia, to Southeast Asia, um, Cambodia. And he goes, oh, well, we will go out of the same terminal. So when we get to the airport, you just follow me. So we get to the airport. He ushers me to the direct, the correct place. I get through customs and I'm sitting down at my gate and I'm like, Lord, you got me here. Now I had no cell phone coverage. I, I don't even know what time of day it was in comparison to where my people live but I really didn't have anyone to share that story with. And I just sat there with the Lord and I was like, thank you for getting me here. Now, I don't tell you this story. I don't recall this story because it's so amazing or that I have some connection to the, to the God who created the universe, who answers my prayers, or that I am, you know, there's anything stellar about me. I share this with you because this is one of my altars of remembrance. This is one of the stories of God's faithfulness in my life that I remember so that I can continue to trust him and follow him when he doesn't answer. Because you know what? I have just as many times, if not more times, where I have laid face down on the ground before God and he has chosen to be silent. I have prayed for healing for a family member. I have prayed for direction and I haven't received it. I have prayed for a life partner and I haven't received one. The Lord hasn't chosen to answer those. So those prayers. So this story, this occurrence that happened to me is a remembrance that I can remember the faithfulness of God. It goes to my life verse, which is Psalms 32, 8, that says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. It reminds me that God is near, that God is present, and that he sees me. He's close and he will direct me. He will teach me. I share this because this is one of my altars of remembrance, a reminder to me of God's faithfulness, like Joshua 4. Now, when all the nation had, had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them saying, take up for yourselves 12 stones from here out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet are standing firm on dry ground, and carry them over and you lay them down in the lodging place where you will lodge tonight. So Joshua, Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the sons of Israel, one man from each tribe, and he said, cross again to the ark of the Lord, your God, in the middle of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel. 
Let this be a sign among you so that when your children ask later saying, what do these stones mean? Then you will say to them, because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. So the sons of Israel did as Joshua had commanded. They took up the 12 stones. And then Joshua set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the feet of the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing, and they are there to this day. For the priests who carried the Ark were standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything was completed that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people. The people had walked through on dry ground, and they were going to have a memorial close by them where they were lodging to remember what the Lord had done. But Joshua chose to put a memorial also in the middle of the river, where the waters would cover over it, and they would, it wouldn't be seen. One of the commentators that I know, um, when I was in Bible college, we learned about this story. And one of the commentators said, you know, those stones would not be seen when the water was high, when the life was lush, when the ground was green and fertile and life was going well, you wouldn't see those stones. But when drought came and the waters of the river would dry up, those stones would be apparent and you could see and be reminded of the faithfulness of the Lord. When drought time comes, when it's hard to remember the faithfulness of the Lord, when our prayers go unanswered, we need some altars of remembrance that remind us that God is faithful. You see, the God, we have a God who spoke worlds into existence. And this same God is available to us. And we need to remember that. Romans 8.11 says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. The same God who raised Jesus from the dead is available to us. He gives us life. He is our life. He is our life source. And Hebrews 4.16 says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can boldly approach the throne, the creator of the universe, the one who spoke the world into existence. We can approach his throne at any time because he is available to us. He sees us. He knows us. We have access to God all the time through prayer. We can run into his throne room like we belong because we do. We belong in his presence because he is here. He is with us. We do not need to withhold anything from him. So what is prayer? Prayer isn't just about petition, but it's the thrill of speaking with Jesus. The thrill of speaking with Jesus. Not just my petitions or my complaints or my worries or my concerns or my joys, but it's the actual running into the presence of Jesus and that thrill that we can have of speaking with him. Being in that throne room, the mighty throne room. I have a few quotes on prayer. Mother Teresa says, prayer is not asking, but prayer is putting, one, putting oneself in the hands of God at his disposition and listening to his voice in the depths of our hearts. Anne of Green Gables says, why must people kneel down to pray? If, if I really wanted to pray, I'd tell you what I'd do. I'd go out into the great big field all alone or in the deep, deep woods and I'd look up into the sky, up, up, 
up into that lovely blue sky that looks as if there was no end to its blueness. And then I just feel a prayer. Prayer, going into the presence of God, the very throne room. Altars of remembrance, the reminders that we need in our lives to remember that God is faithful, that he hears us, that he knows us, that he sees us, and that he is available to us. The same power that rose Christ from the dead is available to us through prayer, through supplication, in our good times and our bad. What do we need to receive and remember from Jesus today? What do we need to lay down What do we need to pick up? What is our altar of remembrance? What altars of remembrance do we have? How many times have we seen his faithfulness? What altar do we need to remember today? That God is faithful. That God is true.